Hey, welcome to Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. Let's get right into it. And actually, I think that's a really excellent way to talk about um, this Toltec idea of the domestication of the planet, which uh, I perceived there was a lot of judgment about this being the state of affairs that we needed to stop domesticating each other. Uh, But I actually have a very different perspective. So I just want to give a 30 second about what this means, this Toltec notion of the domestication of the planet, which you can read about in like uh, the four agreements, the introduction to the four agreements. Uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, who is a Toltec practitioner, you can read it in some of Carlos Castaneda's books, though he talks about it less because he's more focused on personal practice and his own shamanic journey. Um, so it's a little, it's a little less focal um, explicitly than it is in Don Miguel's books and his son's books. Uh, Domestication of the planet essentially is this idea that we are born these luminous beings who have direct connection to source. Now be aware, again, I'm talking specifically the Toltec worldview. So please don't tune out if you're like, oh God, spiritual mumbo jumbo. Just stick with me here. I'll get to the practical application right quick. Um, So if we are born for these luminous beings and we come into the world and part of our luminosity is our connection to the, the source of all things, every tree, every desk, every animal, every whatever else, there is a common uh, energetic presence and we are an expression of that presence in these luminous beings. So we have this direct connection. It's like a pipeline to that energy. And so we have our own energy that we identify as self due to ego, for lack of a better word, the personal identification, and then we're connection to the source. And that what happens is we are programmed by those around us who have lost their own connection to source, that we require each other in order to have energy, to have life. And so we slowly but surely stop accepting Um, the love of the universe, the energy of the universe, the source energy, and we start seeking out the energy of others to sustain us. So essentially we seek love, acceptance, and approval. And this domesticates us. It gives us specific behaviors that we call right and wrong, the shoulds and should nots that govern our world. And that as we do this, we potentially lose more and more of ourselves. Again, we lose more and more of our power because we are deferring to the shoulds and should nots in order to receive love, acceptance, and approval from others. That's essentially it. So we move from the power in the center of ourselves, the core of our identity, and it slowly moves up into our heads where we are constantly strategizing how to get that love, acceptance, and approval. Now, we are, the strategies may be terrible or they may have worked in one circumstance. We apply them to other and they fail and then we struggle. And then we have, that's where so much of our struggle in life comes from. So if you couldn't tell by the shift in my language, (laughs) we are pro-social creatures. Therefore we move in packs, tribes, herds. This is how we are as a species. So it doesn't require the worldview that there is this energetic being that is the universe that we are a part of as beautiful as that may be or feel. You don't need that. You can just say, oh, I am hardwired as a humanoid mammalian creature (laughs) that travels in groups, that evolved in groups that I... When I'm a little infant, someone has to feed me, right? Whining, like a kid who whines is just a kid who hasn't learned 
to stop crying. They're just applying crying into a different sound in order to get attention to get their needs met because they're concerned they're not going to get their needs met, right? Like the trajectory of human development is I was absolutely dependent on everyone around me to survive. And at a certain point, I haven't developed potentially the full psychological experience that I am a self-reliant being that while I am still interdependent, I don't require the approval of others. So what was a natural and normal survival instinct to rely on other people and therefore love, acceptance, and approval from parents, elders, uh, community members, that at a certain point, you don't need that anymore. But there is in our current culture, there isn't a natural transition. We don't have the same rites of passage. We don't have these same ceremonies that trigger in our brains this idea that I am a full-grown adult who can do for myself. Mm-hmm. And so this deep-seated programming, you can still call it domestication if you want, but I don't like calling it that simply because it, feel, it has such a negative connotation. I would prefer to say, okay, let's remove the judgment and just say we are pro-social creatures. It's natural to seek acceptance. The challenge is how do we start teaching children how to still be pro-social while learning to accept their own opinion and challenge their own opinion and be present in the world in a new way so that they can still be free. They can still have the bounce in their, the childlike bounce in their step as adults, still recognizing that it is critically important to the future of our world, our literal planet, as well as humanity that we keep maintaining these pro-social notions. Like when I hear political arguments, so often I'm like, okay, are either of you paying attention to how this actually affects people other than yourself? Like, is, are you just so focused on yourself or what you see as your tribe that you can't see like so much discussion about like global warming, climate change, whatever else is very tribalistic, but it's, and when I say tribalistic, it's not the tribe of humanity. It's this like small, narrow band of people. It's like, okay, let's expand the conversation. This is why pro-social is important. This is why this idea of domestication, I'm like, I want to get rid of the word domestication um, because it's not just, I'm now a herd animal specifically like a cow and a pen, you know, some people are though, I I will say a lack of critical thinking. So how do we maintain this critical thinking, but still maintain our pro-social nature? What do you think about all that? Well, I mean, (laughs) I think that it comes down to recognizing that we need to be in our core selves when we are in our core selves, we can be more independent and trust our own instincts more. You know, I was just taking a training with um, a therapist who was uh, teaching about a deprogramming technique for practitioners like myself to use with clients who have been through some type of severe cult or ritual abuse. Mm. Whole nother topic there. But what we talked about and what he talked about with us was the difference between being in our core selves and our relational selves. Mm. The relational self does things to ensure survival. And sometimes out of fear and out of that necessity that you're talking about, which is the domestication piece, And then there's the core self and the core self is the way that it is when it's not being stifled. And 
no matter what level of domestication we've had, what level of trauma we've had, what level of whatever we've had, we do not lose our core selves. Mm. We may lose sight of it. We may be disconnected from it, but it can never go away. So the answer to the question, I think, is to do pro- to be in relationship with the core self, to remind us that we need to be in the core self, and then to encourage the children and the other people around us to be in their core selves, which is part of what I do as a, a shamanic healer and practitioner. I'd be clapping very loudly, but I don't want to overdrive the mic right now because to <laughs> me, that's that critical irony that we're seeking acceptance by being someone other than ourselves, which means we never actually feel accepted because there's always a barrier. There's always a gap between ourselves and the persona that is quote being approved of. And so the only true way to meet this need that we have at our core is to find out how to be ourselves in the world. And so for me, it's about, yes, I may need to mediate my opinion. I may need to mediate the strength of my reaction sometimes. I may need to mediate things because I live in the world. But how do I show up more and more as myself every day? How do I bring more and more of myself to everything that I do? I think it's a mistake that people make when they're like, well, I'm just being honest or I'm just being myself. It's like, no, no, you are being rude. You are being an asshole. But there's a way to be yourself without being an asshole. So let's mediate that relationship because then, because you're like, oh, no one likes me. Well, no one likes you because you're being an asshole. It's not because you're being yourself. So how do you, how do you find these facets of yourself, these expressions? Because an expression is not who you are. An expression is a reflection of who you are. So how do you bring yourself every day to these interactions so you can get the acceptance you so desperately want for being who you really are with also without, well, frankly, being an asshole. I'm speaking just to the people that are really pushed back against this idea of modifying their behavior in any way because their behavior is who they are. So I just wanted to kind of caveat that real quick and say, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Your behavior is an expression of who you are. It isn't who you are, right? Let's say if you killed someone in self-defense, should you now identify yourself as a killer? Or should you identify yourself with that action? Or should you identify yourself as someone who had to make a choice in this moment? And that was the choice that you had to make, right? How we construct our identities is very critical. Very, very critical. And so I just really love what you had to say about um, being yourself and showing up when you're that unmediated self. You have to be familiar with that person. If you're constantly editing and chopping up that person, which I actually, um, I'm going to start doing some live webinars here pretty soon. And that's the focus of it is being what the moment demands, which means, again, marshalling all your resources. And that means being who you are, owning who you are and showing up in that, in that moment and not just editing yourself down to, to nothing. Hey, y'all just want to take a quick break in the action. Let you know if you're enjoying what you're listening to, please do recommend it to a friend. I would very much love to uh, expand my audience, and I would love it if you would rate me on iTunes slash the Apple podcast platform, because that really helps the show out a lot. And if you want to know more about what I'm up to, go check out my new website at www.educate4.life. That's www.educate, the number four, dot life. Now, back to the show. Um, 
So actually, I I wanted to teach a technique that I that I came up with out of a conversation that I had with with my Toltec teacher, and he was talking about ego. And this this idea that uh, in the Toltec practice you learn to dart past the ego because the ego is uh, squelching your development because it is programmed to be seeking the love, acceptance, and approval. And so I had a conversation with him where I said, "Well, in- interesting. Uh, I think think of ego as what maintains your your identity, your sense of self. So." wouldn't ego just be like your best friend that gives terrible advice because it it's trying to tell you how to seek love acceptance and approval but it's doing a terrible job of it because it's only relaying to you information it's gathered before it's not exploring anymore how to be itself so could couldn't you have a conversation with your ego about how to more fully be yourself in the world and it could like couldn't you use it like as your best friend and be like, hey, bud, instead of t- constantly feeding me bad information about how I need to be in the world, how about I tell you how I want to be in the world and then you change your programming so that it is more automatic that I do that. And uh, he and his wife were like, oh, that's a very interesting idea. You'll have to tell us how that goes. So I went back home and uh, I meditated on a little bit and I don't mean a formal meditation. I just mean a contemplative practice of just being with myself. And, and I actually used a mantra that I learned from, from him, uh, to kind of put myself in that space. Okay. Let's clear my brain. What, what would come to me? And what came to me was this ego. I invite you from my head, basically the space of logic and reason into my heart to love me as I love you. Ego, I invite you into your original place. And again, Toltec worldview, that's in the gut. I invite you to my center, to your original place, to help me express my unique self into the world. So I know I chopped up the explanation into the words, but the words are not important explicitly. You can change the words however you want. The, the, the core of it, the simple part of it, is be aware that in this moment, head represents strategizing, potentially with really bad information. The heart represents acceptance and being in a loving state. And the gut represents the center of your being and therefore the best place to express yourself from best place in quotation marks, at least symbolically. This is the, this is a representation of the core of who you are, as you said, the core of who you are. So the words are essentially ego. I invite you from my head to my heart to love me as I love you. And I invite you from my heart to your original position to help me express my unique self into the world. And I think that that heart moment is so critically important because if we are strategically trying to get love, acceptance, and approval, but we don't love and accept ourselves. So when I say to love me as I love you, that is an expression of identity. I know, ego, that you are trying to do your best good job for me. You are trying to express who I am with a strategy of love, acceptance, and approval. But right now, let's just pause and be here together. Let's unify myself because so I can love, approve, and accept myself.
Now from that place, now we can move out into, in so many traditions, the core, the hara is, is where you act from. So now by moving my identity to that space, now I can act forward from that space, from, you know, our center of gravity, not directly our center of gravity, but that's close to the hips, but essentially, you know, the solar plexus in so many traditions, whether it's yoga or whatever else has this expressive quality. So I bring myself there. None of this has to be literal. If someone is not comfortable doing this literally, <laughs> but again, this is that goldsmith idea that it, the visualization helps us work with the mental processes you know, it gets us out of that space of I'm constantly needing to figure out what's happening in this situation in order to determine the best course of action so that I can have everything go perfectly. Fuck that. <laughs> this, this is not what this is about. This is about letting go of the strategizing, which we can never do perfectly anyway. And if we do do it perfectly, then we misapply that lesson in another circumstance where that information does not work. And then we go, oh no, why did it work? Oh, I'm not lovable. Oh, I'm not perfect. Fuck that noise. We're just going to calm that part of our brain. It's not that we're going to turn it off. Strategy is wonderful, but that's not what we need right now. What we need right now is some acceptance of self. And then a recognition that in that acceptance of self, I can find this full expression of my core and now I can bring it into the world. That's my nerd. Yeah, it feels, it, I, it feels, I like it. I feel like it's an invitation to call the parts that have gone out of order to come back to order. Hmm. Sorry, I had tea in my mouth. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which really, I mean, we all need to learn how to do a little more and a little better. Agreed. Yeah, that was a big deal for me because I definitely was a perfectionist growing up and I slowly let it go, but I've never, being a, a, a more more sensitive person on the spectrum of sensitive people and being a fairly intense person, even, even though some of my, some of my friends be like, Ryan, you're the most laid back person I know. It's like, yeah, that's because I spent 30 years of my life <laughs> consciously taking, mediating the intensity within, um, so that I could have this, you know, mellow chillness, uh, about my life. It was a very conscious process. And so for me, you know, I developed this this ego process, I want to say it's six years ago now. Um, that was a big deal because I was not out of the environment in which I experienced the trauma yet. And uh, I recognized that it was my behavior in that space that led to the trauma. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't quite out of it yet. Um, I was out of it a month later, but... Uh, it was so good for me to catch myself when I was trying to be perfect or when I was trying to seek approval that part of the, I had enough intuition to be like, Hey man, that's, that's not, you've increased your awareness. Now, you know, that's not real. You got to chill your system out. Your system's freaking out. And so I was like, yes, my system is freaking out. Okay. Ego and do this ego process and be like, Oh, I'm in myself again. I'm not trying to be someone else. I'm not trying to be perfect. I am myself again. And it's amazing what information comes out of that space. Suddenly things make sense. Suddenly the course of action is much clearer. 
Um, and and all that extra noise starts to evaporate. It doesn't go away totally because some of it's data and it's really valuable and really important, but it reduces the kind of amplitude and the cacophonous nature of all the thoughts that we can get in our heads. Woot. Um, we, need, we need these pieces to, to bring us back into ourselves. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Next time on Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. Something that's critical that we talked about that I actually have not explored very much of. You know, we talk about coming back to ourselves, but there's not just our relationship with ourselves that we mediate, especially in our current culture. There's also the relationship that we have with time. And I know that I'm a person who people have joked in the past. Uh, I actually won a, a quote award in, in, in college. Uh, the professors in your senior year when you're going to graduate, they give each uh, graduating dance major their own, uh, their own award. And mine was uh, his own time zone. <laughs> you can tell most <laughs> of these awards were jokes. Um, so I have a very interesting relationship with time already uh and sometimes that's useful but most of the time in a typical polite society maybe maybe not always uh it's certainly that has changed and i have a new relationship with time um but time can be so stressful i think that's the other thing that we've kind of the theme that we've been discussing is the shift from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic the shift from this kind of frazzled to centered so in that first technique bring coming back to your body marshalling your resources the ego technique um, reducing the noise of the strategizing putting ourselves in our center in order to act from that center i would love for you to talk more about how shamans think about time. Like do shamans even believe in time? Like what, what is the shamanic worldview about time? Hey again, thanks for listening. If you want more goodness, come hang out with me on Instagram at educate for underscore life. That's educate the number four underscore life. I jump on almost every day and go live once per week to answer questions and just talk about what's on my mind. We've got some cool stuff coming down the pipe. So expect some announcements in the near future. And with that, I hope you have a great week. Talk with you soon.